Hey, 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 welcome back to the House of Trauma podcast. It's your favorite podcast host, Kiana Breanne. Now let's get into it. You have permission to forgive yourself. In episode 10, called Unforgiveness, I talked a lot about what it's like to live in the spirit of unforgiveness, how hard it can be to forgive someone who you felt has done you wrong, who has wronged you, treated you badly, and how carrying around that spirit of unforgiveness can negatively impact your personal life, right? But what happens when the shoe is on the other foot and now you are face-to-face with forgiving yourself? You have permission to forgive yourself. What happens when you've done things or saw things happen or even allowed things to happen that you regret in the moment? What happens when you can't forgive yourself for what you allowed or for a situation you know in your heart of hearts that you could have handled differently? Do you have the capacity to forgive yourself in order to move forward? So, again, in the episode on forgiveness, I talked about the negative impact the spirit of unforgiveness has on our lives and on our salvation. I spoke in detail about why it's important to rid yourself of the spirit of unforgiveness and to forgive those who have hurt you, not for them, but for you. To forgive them for their wrongdoings as our Father in Heaven has forgiven us already for ours. The textbook definition of the word forgive. Stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. It is an intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. So you have to make an intentional decision to let something go, right? And as we know from the episode Unforgiveness, and if you have not listened to that episode, you know what I'm going to say. Go back and listen to Unforgiveness for better context. Um, When you forgive someone, it's not just, okay, I forgive you today and we're just going to move forward. In most cases, it is a daily decision to not, fall back into the old patterns of being, you know, angry or resentful towards the person who you feel has wronged you, even if that person is yourself. It's a daily decision. It's a daily effort. It's a mindset thing to truly forgive and forget. And me personally, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not one for forgetting. And it brings up the question, can you truly forgive if you never forget? Right. And we'll get into that. Sometimes I wonder, you know, why is the hardest person to forgive yourself? Why is it easier in most instances to forgive another person who has wronged you, but not to forgive yourself? And I'm the perfect example of that. There there have been things in my life that Maybe I was even unaware of that happened and I blame myself and it's hard to forgive myself or decisions I made that later I was like, oh, 
like, damn, I I really could have handled that a different way or I should have moved differently or done something a little differently or done something sooner or or waited to react. And I really it, it weighs heavy on me. I have a hard time forgiving myself and I know I'm not the only one. And if you have a hard time forgiving yourself, um, a lot of in a lot of cases, uh, it can be hard if you are just naturally self-critical, right? If you consider yourself to kind of be like an overachiever or suffer from imposter syndrome, um, which I talked about in Perfect Not So Perfect, um, or if you grew up in an environment uh, of criticism and of abuse, because maybe people didn't so easily forgive you for your mistakes. And a lot of times it can be mistakes, but mistakes are meant to be forgiven, People learn from mistakes. Even intentional harm is meant to be forgiven. And it's it's easier said than done. Trust me, I know. But it is so critical that you do forgive, not just others, but yourself. Because that one thing that you could be holding on to that you don't forgive yourself for can be that one thing that's holding you back from moving forward and not just moving forward in the situation, it can lead to self-sabotage, which ultimately prevents you from moving forward in life. Sometimes we hold on to a lot of guilt, which in turn prevents us from forgiving ourselves. Guilt is an emotional discomfort when you feel you were responsible for something. And... If you're anything like me, then when you feel you were responsible for something that harmed or upset or angered another person, that can weigh heavy on you because I'm a lover, for lack of a better word. I just want to spread peace and love and butterflies and glitter, unicorns all around the world. And I know that the world isn't this way, but then I don't want to be responsible for the pain that somebody else has been inflicted with because I know what it feels like to be in pain. And knowing what it feels like to be wrong, to be mistreated, to be in pain, to have these emotional wounds, I never want to be responsible for inflicting that on someone else. And I don't know if you've heard the term the or the saying, sometimes the abuser becomes, the abused becomes the abruser. That's not me. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be like, you know, I'm hurting and I'm in pain, so I want other people to hurt and be in pain. It's quite the opposite. If I'm hurting and I'm in pain, I want to prevent, especially to the people closest to me, from feeling the same pain because it doesn't feel good. So then I have heavy guilt a lot of burden of guilt on me when I find out or I realize or I unintentionally inflict that on someone else. It's devastating to say um, the least. But you have to let go of that guilt and you have to forgive yourself. When I was um, 19, 20-ish, I think I was 20, My grandmother passed away, my mom's mom. 
And at that time, just for context, I was working two jobs. Um, I was a supervisor at Kmart and a sales associate at Forever 21. I was also in school. Um, I mean, I've been in school for so many things, but I think at that point in time, it was criminal justice was my major. And if I wasn't in school, I was working one or both jobs. Sometimes I would report to Kmart at 7 a.m. I would get off at 4. I would go to Forever 21 um, and I would work 5 to 11, 5 to midnight. And then I would go home and I would start over and I would do it all over again. On days where I had school, I would go to school in the mornings and I would go straight from class, straight to work. You know, it was a lot. I was tired. I was exhausted. Um, I was still young and I was working towards getting my first apartment. And my grandma had been sick for a long time and she was growing increasingly sicker. Anytime she was in the hospital, I would always go see her. You know, I bring her flowers. I would go talk to her. And I remember one day in particular, I had just done like a five day stretch of working both jobs and I was just so exhausted. And um, I was sleeping in my bed and my sister came to wake me up and she said her and my other sister and my mom were going to go see my grandmother in the hospital. Did I want to come? And well, first of all, you waking me up out my sleeping. Y'all are halfway out the door. So I was like, uh, no, y'all go ahead. I'll just come later. Or I'll just go tomorrow. So they're like, OK, they left. I pretty much slept all day. And then I decided that the next day I would just go see my grandma at the hospital. The next day, my grandma was uh, released from the hospital and she went to stay with um, my mom was staying with her boyfriend at the time. He had an extra room. So um, she was staying there with them. And um, my mom was just like, oh, she's resting today. Why don't you come tomorrow? So I'm like, oh, hey, you know, she's resting. She doesn't want to talk. She doesn't want visitors. And I'll come tomorrow. But tomorrow. It didn't come. My grandmother died later that next day. And um, I just remember feeling awful, feeling just so guilty. I was I felt guilty for being tired. I felt guilty for wanting to rest. I felt bad for not saying goodbye. I was angry with myself because I felt like I let sleep get in the way of what would have been my final moments with my grandmother. Me and my grandmother always had an amazing relationship. I always told her I loved her. I was always there for her when I could be. And to this day, I have a difficult time forgiving myself for not getting out of bed that day. And you may be thinking, you know, who, who would have known, who could have known? But to me, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was working. I was working hard and I was going to school and I was genuinely tired. But I always wonder if I could go back in time, if I could just get out of bed and go see her that one more time. Or when my mom said, you know, she's tired, don't come today, come tomorrow. If I would have just pushed a little harder and been like, no, I'm coming to see my grandmother because her days were numbered. That's what we knew. We just did not know exactly how little time she had left. And again, to this day, I'm, I'm still having a difficult time processing um, 
those final moments, those last few decisions that I made that could have changed, you know, my last moments with my grandmother and her last moments with me. And yes, she had lots of family around my mom, her other children, you know, my siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, like she had all those people around, but she didn't have me. And I don't think, she, you know, she was upset or she was angry or she felt any way because I wasn't there. But I feel away because I wasn't there. But now. In this present day, as I'm processing these emotions that I've been holding on to, my grandmother passed away in 2014. That was 10 years ago. So for 10 years, I've been heavy carrying this heavy weight, this heavy burden on my back of regret of guilt of of disappointment of anger within myself because I have not found the strength to forgive myself for not going to see her and it's about time I forgive myself for a number of reasons number one what's done is done right my grandmother's not coming back I don't have a time machine. I can't go back in time. I can't change that one decision that I made that I regret. For two, nobody knew just how numbered her days were, including me. Right? Because hindsight is twenty twenty. If I knew that those were going to be her last days, I would have dragged myself out of bed, right? And also because it doesn't benefit me in any way to continue to go through life year after year after year. It's been 10 years of unforgiveness for myself. So at some point, I have to forgive myself. I have to let it go. I have to move forward within my life because she's not coming back and I can't take that decision back. I don't have a lot of regrets in this life. I often say I don't have any regrets at all because the decisions I made that led me up until this point in my life made me exactly who I am today. But that would be a genuine regret that I have. And I'm, I'm working on forgiving myself and moving past it. I mean, I don't know that anyone even knows this story but me because this is my reality from my perspective at that point in time. So they definitely don't know that I'm holding on to unforgiveness for myself. Similar to um, when my dad passed away. Um, So he passed away on New Year's Day. And the last time we had actually spoken was on Christmas Day. And I remember um, and my ex is the only one I had this conversation with. And I just the days after, you know, he had passed and I just was crying uncontrollably and inconsolable. Right. Rightfully so. And I just remember saying how awful of a daughter that I must be to not have spoken to my dad for six straight days, six straight days. And I mean, there are people out there who can go months without speaking to their parents, you know, and 
there had been periods of time longer than those six days where me and my father had not spoken. And not because we were angry with each other, just life happens and we just hadn't spoken. But I just remember feeling just awful and guilty because I could have, even a text message would have sufficed. But also feeling guilty because on New Year's Eve, I remember saying, you know, I have to call my dad. I have to I have to call him or at least text him and tell him Happy New Year's. I have to do it. I have to call my dad. I have to at least text him and tell him Happy New Year's. And I tried. I remember shortly after the countdown. And then mind you, I wasn't feeling well on New Year's Eve. I was just, I was feeling so sick and I was just feeling so off and so disheveled. And I just kept saying, something's not right. Something's not right. But I picked myself up. I got dressed. I went to the party. And I remember shortly after the countdown, I took out my phone and I was like, oh, I have to text my dad. And I remember going to his name, typing in Happy New Year's. And then someone walked up on me and, you know, they were kind of talking shit, like in a, in a fun, playful way, though. And then we, we ended up taking a shot and I never sent the message. Mind you, when I woke up that morning after I got the call. After I composed myself from the screams, I was like, well, at least I text him Happy New Year's. And I went to my phone and I was like, oh, the message is still sitting here. My ex was sitting next to me. He was like, I remember you saying you were about to text him at the party and then so-and-so walked up on you and then y'all went to take a shot and I guess you never sent it. And just pure devastation. Just pure devastation because, again, I'm like, wow, I hadn't talked to him in six days. And then when it was time for me to text him, then I got distracted and I could have just hit send. And, you know, all these different things are running around in my mind. And I never forgave myself for not calling. I never forgave myself for not sending that text. I have not forgiven myself for going six days without speaking to my dad. And again, nobody, absolutely no one could have foreseen the events that would have taken place the morning of January 1st that led to my father's death. But that did not stop me from feeling bad. That did not stop me from having the spirit of unforgiveness against myself because, again, I'm playing back. All the decisions I made that led up to me not communicating prior to his death. Similarly to prior to my grandmother's death, the events that led up, the decisions that I made that led to me not communicating with her, not going to see her prior to her death. And again, no one blames me but me. No one really even knows this reality but me. Yet I'm carrying around the emotional discomfort from my own actions. And I'm finding now, five years later, that it's time to let that discomfort go. Because it's not benefiting me. It's not benefiting anyone around me. And it's only hindering my progression on my spiritual journey 
It's hindering my progression on my healing journey. And it's holding me back from things I may never know until I'm able to fully let it go. And I'm just naturally very self-critical of myself. I have this undying desire to be perfect at everything, to make the best decision, to do everything I feel it is that I need to do and I should do that is right. Then when I make mistakes, I take it hard. But when I make mistakes that can't be undone, in my mind, it's unforgivable, right? Well, wrong. And I, I know, like I know in my heart of hearts that if my grandmother was here right now, right, if my father was here right now, they would probably think it was absolutely insane to even feel this way. But I do. What mistakes have you made in your life, mistakes that you've made in your past that on the outside, people would potentially think it was absolutely insane to feel bad about. But you hold on to them heavy because you know that you are one decision away from changing that trajectory. And how has holding on to the guilt, the anger, the remorse from those decisions, how has failing to forgive yourself for those mistakes affected you in your everyday life? And you know what I'm learning is sometimes things hold more weight in our mind than they do in actual reality, right? But that comes with being super self-critical. That comes with wanting to be a perfectionist. That comes with imposter syndrome. Sometimes things hold a little bit more weight in our mind than it does in real life, Right. Um, I've said things in arguments before where later on I'm like, oh, Kiana, you just, you really just didn't have to go there. And then I'm, then I'm feeling awful. And then I'm going to apologize because I can't, I can't forgive myself for what I said to you until you forgive me for what I said to you. And sometimes I'm just like, oh girl, you know, whatever we, the heat of the moment type of thing, but it weighs so heavy on me because I know it was wrong. And again, it comes with, with holding that guilt heavy. It's time to let go of the guilt. It's time to release the emotional discomfort. It's time to heal from your previous environment of criticism and a bruise. I recently um, found out something quite devastating. And I feel like my family and the close friends that I had shared this revelation with, they just didn't, I don't want to say they didn't take it as seriously because it was a serious matter, but they didn't think that I should let it haunt me <laughs> so much because that's essentially what it does is it haunts me every day. Um, and this goes to, you know, being like um, an unwilling participant in someone else's pain, right? Because sometimes we unknowingly allow things to happen. And one can argue that we should have been more aware 
or even that, you know, it isn't our fault. There's no way we could have known. But that doesn't take away the guilt. Oh, goodness. So it's no secret. Um, my ex was a monster. Yeah, that's how I describe him. He was a monster. And I don't care how anyone um, tries to downplay it, spin it, tell a different tale. I live that life with that man on the day to day. And in my eyes, a monster is an understatement. So I remember we were kind of like not on and off because we were never on and off. Once we were off, it was as good as done. Um, we were kind of um, going through um, a rough patch. And for a while, my niece and nephew lived with me, lived with us. And um, I remember just like, Telling them, you know, you don't, you don't pull your weight around here enough. There are now children in the home. You know, it's not just us two. So whatever you felt like you could do when there were not children around, you cannot do that now. And mind you, he had, um, he had his own children, and sometimes his children would come stay with us, like um, very seldomly. And that's a whole other story for another day. Before my niece and nephew lived with me, and at, even after. And so I remember at one point, all of the children were there. And it's just like, well, you're nowhere to be found. And not only am I taking care of what are now my children, my niece and nephew, but I'm taking care of yours. And you think you just go out and party and drink with all your friends? Like, make it make sense. Okay. And then um, after a while, my niece and nephew, they didn't stay with me anymore. And... I remember him making a comment after therapy, you know, I think we're doing much better. You know, we don't argue as much now that the kids aren't here. And I'm like, bitch, what the fuck do you mean? We don't argue as much because now that the kids aren't here, because you can go back to doing whatever you want to do without the kids kind of being like an excuse or like your scapegoat to be like, oh, well, you know, I can do whatever I want to do now because there's no kids in the house. Like, whatever I said all that to say that was the first red flag to let me know you're not only not a good father but you take issue when there are children around right so years later well my niece and nephew end up coming to stay with me again briefly before going back with their mom so years later my niece and nephew are older now they're more vocal now and they share a daunting tale with me of his behavior when I was not around. And the pain I feel in my chest to even relive this and to share it. It's heavy. It's like a heavy weight, but it's also like a whole, a heavy guilt. When we talk about guilt, this is one thing that is unforgivable. And I don't say a lot of things are unforgivable, especially it's a contradiction to me ridding myself of the spirit of unforgiveness. Um, but essentially, he was mistreating my niece when I wasn't around. And what I mean by mistreating is sometimes he wouldn't let her eat. That's abuse. Sometimes he wouldn't let her watch TV. Wouldn't let her play with toys. 
And these may all seem like simple things, but you're mistreating her in comparison to her brother. And you're only doing it when I'm not around. And I'm the type of person, first of all, any negative behavior towards children is sickening. It's sickening. When you mistreat kids, you're a sick individual. That's the point, point blank period. There's nothing you can say to me to convince me that you're not a sick individual if you mistreat children in any way, shape, or form. But you're not allowing her to eat. You're not allowing her to watch TV and, and things of that nature when I'm not around. So when I come in from work um, and I'm like, hey, guys, how was your day? Is everything okay? Did you eat? And it's always, yes, everything was fine. Everything's okay. Yes, we did eat. But the reality of the situation was that, that they weren't, at least not both of them. So I asked my niece, why didn't you tell me? I'm asking you questions. Is everything okay? Was it a good day? Is there anything you need to tell me? And she's so terrified to tell me that something's wrong because you threaten her. And the reason I can't forgive myself is because I allowed this monster around them. I trusted this monster to care for them in my absence. And he betrayed me. And my niece doesn't blame me. Her mother doesn't blame me. My mother doesn't blame me. But I blame myself. Because had I not allowed this monster into our lives, my niece would not have been mistreated. I was responsible for providing a safe and loving environment. And in my eyes, I failed at that task. And I've asked for forgiveness from God. And he has forgiven me, but I just really find it hard to forgive myself. I mean, the amount of anger and, and frustration that I really feel at the whole thing and the fact that it was happening under my roof, under my watch, without my knowledge is... It's crazy. It really is crazy. And and again, hindsight is 2020. When I look and I think back, there was a period of time where I could tell they didn't want to be bothered with this man. And I just took it as because he was tough. Like he wanted the tough love approach. And I told him to go to hell. Really? First of all, and it wasn't even just that these are not your kids to be given the tough love approach to. It make it make fucking sense. These are small children. They're five years old. And you're feeling they should be punished for doing shit the kids do, like grow the fuck up. But he was the same way with his kids, you know. And um, I remember telling my sister about it and just being um, not their mother, my other sister um, about it and just being in, in shambles and, you know. Her trying to assure me that it wasn't my fault and there there was no way I could have known. And um, saying that, you know, sometimes people try to hurt the ones you love as in an effort to get back to you. And because he could not hurt me, um, 
he tried to hurt the person that I loved the most, which was my niece, because he didn't treat my nephew the way that he treated my niece. Right. And um, because me and my niece were we were close. We still are. And I'm so grateful that she does not hate me, resent me, blame me, at least to my knowledge for his actions, because to this day back then and up until this day now, she still loves me. She still wants to be everything just like me. And I'm truly grateful that she still wants that kind of connection, that kind of bond with me, knowing everything that transpired. So again, my sister was saying because he couldn't hurt me, he wanted to hurt her in an effort to get back to me. (laughs) And I remember confronting him about something my niece had said. And he's just like, oh, no, she's a liar. I didn't do that. Well, he didn't say she's a liar. But in so many words, essentially, he's just like, no, this is what happened. And it didn't make sense. Like, first of all, you're a fucking liar. This is what I know. And I've just like I told my niece and nephew, don't worry. You will never be. He will never watch you again. And again, still not knowing all the the details to everything that happened, everything that transpired. And my... Um, after, you know, knowing everything and I remember meeting up with him about a year ago and it's just kind of like, stop attempting to win me back. It'll never fucking happen. And I'm going to tell you why it'll never happen. I said, because they're going to always be in my life, my niece and nephew, right? And you cannot be around them because they don't like you and they don't trust you. And whatever it is, my niece said you did, you did that shit. And I will not have her around you. And I will not have you in my life. Even if I could forgive everything that you've done to me, I will never forgive what you've done to her. And still, standing ten toes down, oh, he did nothing wrong. That's fine. That only further proves that you're still a liar and you're an even bigger fucking monster than I thought you were before. I unknowingly allowed harm to come to my precious babies when I wasn't around. And I'm fighting every day to forgive myself, but it is a hard road. It's going to be a long road to forgiveness for myself. But I think that even now, admitting it, saying it out loud, sharing with the world the real true reason why that man will never be allowed back into my life is a step in the right direction. And those are just... The three instances of um, three examples that I could give on why I found it difficult to forgive myself more than forgiving others for how they've mistreated me. And I want you. I want to help you. I want to inspire you to forgive yourself for whatever it is you're holding on to, whether it was a mistake that you made where there was something you knowingly and willingly participated in and now you look back and you regret. Whether it was something you unknowingly allowed to transpire behind your back. It's time. Yes, honey. It is about time that you find space and give yourself permission to forgive yourself. And I have three simple strategies for self-forgiveness. 
Number one, take responsibility. Take responsibility for what you did and or the role you played and causing pain, anger, resentment towards someone else. Acknowledge the role you played. Number two, don't avoid guilt or remorse. Instead, use it as a gateway for positive and changed behavior. Don't avoid guilt or remorse. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to have that discomfort. Live with it. Sit with it. Acknowledge it. Don't. Do not avoid it. It is a necessary evil on your path to self-forgiveness. And it's okay. The action may not have been okay. But now that you've taken responsibility and you've sat with that remorse, it leads us to step three. Restoration. It's time to make amends. Try to repair the damage. Try to repair the damage. You know, in the instances where my grandmother and my father is no longer here, that's not damage that can be repaired because, again, there's no real damage that was done, essentially. But now I know that time is of the essence. And when my grandfather was sick and in the hospital, my mother was also sick and in the hospital. But I took the time to ensure that I went and sat with both of them. Because we never know when God will call them home. As far as my niece, as far as my nephew, as far as my family, I'm actively working to repair the damage that was done when I allowed that monster into our lives. Number four, renewal. It's time to learn and grow. We can't undo anything. There's nothing that can be undone. No matter how hard you wish and hope and pray and try to conjure up this time machine, it's not going to happen. Now we've learned from our mistakes and we're going to grow, have empathy and make better decisions moving forward. Those are my strategies for self-forgiveness. I encourage you to implement them in your daily life if you are struggling to forgive yourself. And remember the golden rule. Forgiveness must be sincere and from the heart. It must be patterned after the forgiveness God has already granted us and accompanied by actions that benefit true forgiveness. I'll leave you with this. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 13. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on a heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. My name is Kiana Brianne. This is the House of Trauma podcast.
Don't forget to email me all of your advice questions to houseoftrauma at gmail.com. Remember that true forgiveness starts from within. Take responsibility and give yourself permission to forgive yourself. Love you, mean it. See you next week. Oh, 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 oh,